Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 7, Pedro Munoz versus Frankie Edgar, and Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. The former champion, the future Hall of Famer, Frankie the Answer Edgar, dropping to his third weight class, and he's got no cupcake in his uh, Bantamweight debut because he's taking on the always dangerous Pedro the Punisher Munoz. This is a great fight, man, because Frankie Edgar, he's the legend, the former 55 champ, multiple title chances at 145 pounds. A lot of people have been saying that he's been a bantamweight his whole career, so we're going to find out on Saturday. Uh, you know, he is getting up there in age. This is probably is the tail end of his career, so we got to appreciate you know, every time we uh, get to see Frankie in there. And Pedro Munoz, uh, man, this guy under the radar, just one of the more exciting bantamweights that's come along in the UFC over the last decade, man. He finishes after finishes. He ain't, you know, going out here to, you know, play pitter-patter and, and win decisions. He's out here trying to, trying to uh, you know, snap necks off and, and knock guys out. So, you know, Pedro Munoz is no slouch top five guy stamp. So I'm, I'm excited. It's a tough test for Frankie. Yeah, look, Pedro Munoz has slowly been building up his resume at 135 pounds, wins over Robbie Font, finishes over Robbie Font, the former champ Cody Garbranch, Brian Caraway, and uh, even beat Brett Johns in there, had a great fight with Aljamain Sterling. So he's going to welcome uh, Frankie Edgar to the Bantamweight division with some serious heat uh, Saturday night, Shaq. And bantamweight division, man, that's like honestly after lightweight that you could make a case that's that's the next best division. There's so many guys in that division that are looking good. So you know, uh, if Frankie wins, man, it, you know it's gonna even get tougher from from here. So you know, yeah, no questions asked. Uh, definitely no slouch to take on in his debut. No cupcake, no gimme fight. It's gonna have to get right down to the fire with Pedro Munoz. We're gonna have to see if that durability uh, is gonna hold up. So I can't wait. And Shaq, let's get right down to business because first up in an 140-pound catchweight, we got a matchup between Timor Valiev, he's 16 and 2, and Trevin Jones is 12 and 6. Currently, they got Timor Valiev minus 410. The comeback on Trevin Jones is plus 365. Well, Shaq, uh, this is an interesting fight because obviously Timor Valiev, people have wanted to see him make his UFC debut for a very long time. And this is a guy who knows what he's got to do to go out there and get the win. When it's time to spin, he can spin. When it's time to pick you up and slam you on the mat, he knows how to do that too. So this guy knows how to go out there, do the Russian coast. And I feel like he's got all the tools to come out here and win this fight. And when you talk about a guy like uh, Trevin Jones, I mean, he's solid. He hits hard. It's just I feel like he fights too close with a lot of his opponents, man. And then taking this fight off a year layoff and on a week short notice, I feel like he's definitely losing the decision here. You know, and interestingly enough, a lot of his regional fights were actually over there in Japan. I was surprised he didn't do much in the United States. He was over there overseas. So he's got a lot of experience. But coming to the UFC on short notice against a guy like Timor, I think it's a little bit too much too soon. So I'm going with uh, Timor Valley of a unanimous decision here. Yeah, man, Timor Valiev, I think we all remember from from uh, the early days of uh, World Series of Fighting. And, man, he's uh, 
you know, he's a solid guy. He's super well-rounded, very fast, very agile. He, he's got the scrambling ability. I wouldn't say he's the best Russian, but in this particular matchup with the circumstances that, you know, uh, Trevin's in the week short notice and Valley as he was getting ready for a fight, uh, not too long ago versus Emmers, man. So he's been in the in that training rhythm, getting ready for a fight for for a while now. So I, I just think he's the better fighter overall. It's hard to, you know, prepare for that Russian coast, you know, style that Russian that Russian rhythm on such short notice, man. So I think Trevin's probably going to be a little hesitant, probably just get frustrated the whole night and, and lose this decision. So yeah, got to go with Timor. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Matthew Semmelsberger. He's six and two, and Carlton minus is ten and one. Currently, they got Carlton minus minus one ten. The comeback on Matthew Semmelsberger is plus a hundred. Well, Shaq, uh, I really like the original matchup between Matthew Semmelsberger and Phil Rowe. You know, I thought that was a great UFC debut for Phil Rowe. I thought he he's a serious prospect. He's going to come out here and make some noise. And for some reason, both Phil Rowe and Jared Nitrain Gooden had to pull out of their UFC debut. So we're going to have to have a serious word with both those guys because I don't know what kind of sparring they're doing down there in Florida that both of them had to pull out of their UFC debuts. You know what I mean, Shaq? But with that being said, one thing I like about Matthew Semmelsberger is he hits like a truck. You know, his last fight against Richard Patishnuk. I know you remember Patishnuk because uh, he fought Gaethje. Gaethje absolutely destroyed him. Well, Matthew Semmelsberger destroyed him too, man. Beautiful elbow knockout. It's just, uh, I feel like he's a little bit green, needs some more seasoning on the regional uh, on the regional scene, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, he's only 6-2. and two. His wrestling isn't the best, uh, but he hits like a truck. He's got that going for him. And with Carlton Minus, kind of reminds me of like a young Randy Brown. You know, he's got like the same body type. He's long, loves to pump out that jab. His takedown defense isn't the best either, but his get-up game is... Uh, pretty decent and i feel like he's got a little bit too much volume for semmelsberger it's just that uh and more experience too it's just that he's got to be careful of the power because matthew can definitely crack the kid hits like a truck but i'm gonna lean carlton minus uh via decision here yeah carlton minus he seems like he's got he's the more talented guy you know longer like you said likes to to uh pump out the jab I, yeah, he fought rick story uh in PFL, you know, he came up short there, but then, you know, that's somewhat of a tough test, you know, uh, for, for a guy with, you know, short, uh, that many short fights. So, you know, uh, Semmelsberger, he's got the power and, and I see, I see minus, I see it being a close fight just because Semmelsberger might have the power to, you know, kind of make him a little hesitant to, to let off on that volume. But I see uh, minus as long as he doesn't get wobbled, you know, uh, in two of these three rounds, I see him landing more punches and just, uh, you know, Having having the more volume uh, type of style, so I'll go with him. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Ike Villanueva. He's sixteen and ten, and Jordan, the Beverly Hills Ninja, right, is ten and one. Currently, they got Jordan Wright minus one seventeen. The comeback on Ike Villanueva is plus one hundred seven. Well, Shaq. I didn't expect we'd ever see the Beverly Hills Ninja in the UFC, let alone favored to win a fight in the UFC, Shaq? I mean, to be honest, man, this is, I don't want to say a low moment, but I mean, when you got, I mean, you saw Beverly Hills Ninja's uh, contender series fight. I mean, that was, uh, that was uh, bad. And I mean, you know, Beverly Hills Ninja, like, you know, that's kind of, it's, it's an interesting nickname. And then Ike, man, he's just, a punching bag, sloppy. But I'm going to take Ike for the win, man. I, you know, 
I think he's probably been training training a little bit longer. Uh, you know, he, he's had opponents, you know, uh, for a while now, and Jordan Wright stepping in. And Jordan Wright's an 85er, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, uh, I'll go with Ike, man. But it's it, 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 let's, be, let's just be honest here. We've seen more high-level fights in the NFC, man. This is, uh, this is you know, this is a... Uh, this is a slappy, slappy fight, so we'll see what happens. But I'm going to go with Ike for the win, man. I think he, he's got better circumstances, more size, uh, and I think he'll outwill Jordan. Yeah, I never expected to see Jordan Wright in the UFC ever, period. And, like, he's an 85er, like you said. I know Ike's formerly an 85er, too, but, like, when I say that Jordan Wright's an 85er, he weighed in at 200 pounds today, Shaq. Not 201, not 202, not 203. 200 on the dot he's too small for the weight class and i don't think the kid has the toughness to compete in the ufc when he's the hammer he can take care of biz on the regional scene you know his last fight he looked a lot better granted he didn't get hit one time so that's probably why and he fought a journeyman but here against ike this this is probably the only fight ike's gonna win in his ufc career so i'm gonna pick ike via knockout and then we can uh have the discussion of fading ike is a uh, very next fight so i'm gonna go with the bar brawler ike villanueva here but now there's no more uh, there's no more games to be played because next up in the 55 pound division we got a matchup between Austin Hubbard he's 12 and four and Joe Selecki is nine and two currently wow it's a pick 'em currently they got Austin Hubbard minus 107 Joe Selecki minus 103 so everyone's been going back and forth on this fight you going with the conditioning and the durability of Hubbard or the black belt jujitsu of Joe Selecki. Yeah, this is a good matchup because, you know, Selecki, he's a specialist. We know he's got the, the high-level jiu-jitsu game and, you know, what, what what his MO is to get it to the ground. And he looked very good against Matt Wyman, uh, but as, as you should look good against Matt Wyman, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, you, you should dominate. I, I think Selecki is gonna is hard to deal with for certain guys just with because the, the fact that he's a serious black belt and he's got – some some uh, tricks up his sleeve down there, man. His control is very good. The the one thing I'll say where he's lacking in his grappling game, I think his takedowns aren't as good as his like uh, jujitsu control. You know, I think uh, at times I've seen him. You know, well, even though he did get the takedowns against Wyman, there was a couple of ones where I'm like, a better guy could possibly stuff that. You know, so you know, I think that if Selecki just, we know he's not a striker. We know he doesn't like getting hit, but as long as he. It, you know, in this matchup with Hubbard, and Hubbard's more of a, a volume, like, he kind of gets better as the fight progresses. He kind of made Ramos and uh, what's it? Marco Madsen, uh, Marco Madsen kind of tire out in the late rounds. Both those guys are very good grapplers, and and I'll and I'll be honest, Hubbard. I mean, those guys got on his back, and and he uh, and he got out of got out of it. So you know, there's a good chance he probably avoids the submission. But can he can he stay off his back? You know, for two of the three rounds, and, and you know, start to land the volume strikes on Selecki. I don't know, man. I, I don't think so. He throws a lot of low kicks, you know, which are which are good. But in this particular matchup, man. And, you know, I think he's going to need to, you know, keep it primarily boxing. But I will say Hubbard, man, you know, he kind of, you know, we used to joke around, call him harmless Hubbard. He's a tough kid, man. And, you know, I heard him say he's kind of in the past, he kind of struggled with his confidence because, you know, he's he's in there sparring with uh, 
with Gaethje and Dober and Magny and all these guys. And, and you know, he's probably uh, not having much success. And look at his UFC run, man. They threw him to Ramos right off the bat. He's fighting fucking Olympic wrestlers and shit. So and maybe his confidence is a little better since he made uh, that kid quit, you know. So, you know, um, we'll see. But I, I lean Selecki, man. I just think his, his path to victory uh, we've seen uh, Hubbard taken down, you know, out grappled uh, a couple times. And I do think Selecki is good enough to to execute that game plan. It's just I'm not sure if Selecki is, uh, you know, as comfortable on the feet in, in comparison to those other guys. So we'll see. But I'm going to go with Selecki for the win. I think he uh, just gets more takedowns and, you know, probably controls him, takes his back for a round and gets off to a big lead and gets the win. Yeah, look, uh I like us, Alecki, and Hubbard's kind of growing on me, too. You know, we, like you said, we used to joke around, you know, harmless Hubbard, this and that. And I think the reason why is because, like, in that Madsen fight, he clearly loses the first two rounds. And in that third round where he was actually praised for what he did, I actually kind of criticized him because it's like you have this opponent dead to rights. You're, you've clearly lost the first two rounds. Like winning the third round is not enough. You got to go out there and do some damage. You got to go out there and finish the guy. And then also against Max uh, Frodkoff, you know, he uh, he didn't actually knock him out. The kid quit between rounds. It said the kid, uh, you know, TKO retirement. And when they say TKO retirement, I know officially it's referring to uh, him not answering answering the bell between the second and third. But what it really means is that he retired from fighting permanently because you'll never see this kid fight ever again. I guarantee you that, Shaq. But anyways, even Max Frodkoff was going out there and taking out uh, taking down Austin Hubbard. But man. Austin was cracking it with some shots, man. Those body shots, those left hooks, the calf kicks. I like uh, what Austin Hubbard's been doing. He's been improving a lot. And one thing about him, he's got good conditioning, great pace training up there, you know, Denver and the Rocky Mountains and that Denver elevation. So he's definitely going to be making improvements. It's just with Joe Selecki, he's a serious black belt. Uh, he really is a good black belt. And I agree with you. You know, we do have some criticism in the stand-up. You know, sometimes he closes his eyes a bit in those pocket exchanges. But luckily, Hubbard doesn't have the one-punch power of like a Nicholas Mata who actually went out there and knocked out uh, Selecki. And shout-out to our good friend Robert Hale who knocked out uh, Nicholas Mata. You guys got to watch that fight. Amazing one-round fight. But back to this. Joe Selecki, I think he's going to get the takedowns early and often. It's just about what happens after that. You know, is Hubbard going to survive and get back up and take over late? If that's the case, Selecki needs to make sure he survives that third round. But there's been a lot of criticism of Selecki's uh, fight against Matt Wyman. And I kind of honestly don't really understand it. I watched it today. And to me, every round was a 10-8. He dominated him bell to bell. So I get he didn't finish him, but it's like Matt Wyman's never been finished ever by a submission. Matt Wyman hasn't been submitted his entire career. So I don't really hold it against uh, Selecki that he didn't go out there and, and submit him. But I think here with Hubbard, it's a little bit different. And I understand Hubbard survived against Dobby Hamosh, but it's like, Davi Hamosh felt so unthreatened by Hubbard that he was actually out there testing his stand-up. You know what I mean? So I think Selecki's going to have a lot of success here. He might get a first-round submission, but if he doesn't, I think he can at least get the takedowns in the first two, win those, survive the third, go out there and win this fight. So I'm going to go with Joe Selecki as well. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Mizuki Inoue. She's 14-5, and, and Amanda Lemos is 7-1. 
Currently, they got Mizuki Inoue minus 115 and Amanda Lemos is plus 105. Well, Shaq, uh, you know, Amanda Lemos dropped two weight classes. And for someone who's been criticized for their cardio, you know for a fact that if you're dropping two weight classes, the big focus is running those extra miles, dieting, eating clean. And she's been doing this camp in the New Mexico elevation. So I don't think the cardio is going to be an issue. However, do you think the experience of Mizuki Inoue will be a problem here for Lemos? Yeah, you know, Lamos, man, she looked really good her last fight, the underdog. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but Lamos, man, she's from she's from that Amazon. You know, she actually, uh, her and Davison, the champ, 125, they used, man, they actually grew up together as kids. So, you know, Waleed Ishmael, and, you know, I've seen them uh, hyping her up on IG the other day saying that this is his next, uh, his next 115-pound star. So we'll see what she's got. Cause in a way, man, to be honest, I was going in expecting to be like, uh, you know, she's probably just, you know, some harmless, <laughs> harmless little girl, but man, I was surprised, man. She's got some very good hands and her punch count is uh very, very high, man. And she's got, she's got a lot of experience beat Vivian Pereira, uh, fought gender beat Beck Rollins once a split with, uh, Carolina and Grasso at a very young age, like 1920. So, you know, Mizuki in is definitely very, very seasoned. Uh, man, it's tough to say because, you know, we're, we're, you know, she did drop two weight classes and we only saw around around against Granger. But, man, it kind of does make me feel like does this girl, you know, she's got that same Mirajo, you know, fighting style, the karate stance, like, you know, similar stance like Davidson. Like there's a chance where she overwhelms these girls with the speed, the athleticism, the power. Uh, you know, there's a very good chance. My only concern is I still have yet to see her go, you know, three rounds in this weight class. Not saying that she can't do it, but the the cardio is still a concern of mine in this matchup just because Inoue, man, throws a lot of punches. Like, Inoue pressures her opponents, man. Like, she's got a very underrated boxing. And, you know, she's not the strongest or the uh, – the most physical, but man, she moves forward and she keeps the volume up. And you know, her last fight, I was kind of shocked that that was a split decision. I thought she won every single round in that fight. Um, and that was on a week short notice up a weight class. And man, in a way, has been putting in that work. I, I, I noticed she moved to, uh, she's from Japan. She moved to New York. She's training with, you know, Sterling and Mirab and, and Weidman and all these guys, you know, she's got Longo in the corner. So, man, it seems like she's taking things seriously. I know Lamos is a very, very popular dog, but, man, I'm going to go the other way. I think, in a way, I think she's going to struggle the first round, you know, maybe get calf kicked a little bit. But I, I see, uh, in a way, marching forward the last two rounds and just – throwing more punches, and I, and I do think Lemos will, will start to slow down. So I actually think uh, Inouye is going to come out here and, and surprise a lot of people. And, man, Sarah Longo, man, they've been on a, they've been on a roll lately. So I'm going to go with uh, Inouye for uh, a decision win, 29-28. Yeah, look, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions when people analyze this fight. The first one being, you know, they, they bring up this Janjiroba fight as evidence that, you know, oh, she went to split with Janjiroba, and it's like, well, if you watch that fight, the fact that it was a split is one of the worst scorecards we've ever seen, for me personally, in the history of the sport, because I scored it 5 nothing Janjiroba, so the fact that one judge scored it 4-1 in a way, 
I thought was absolutely disgusting, man. Like, if you get held down for five straight rounds, how the fucking can a judge justify you winning 4-1? But that being said, Lemos does not have, you know, the black belt of a uh, Janji Robo. So it's a different situation. But I was noticing people saying, uh, you know, she wants to split with Janji Robo. It's like, but did she really go to split with Janji Robo? Now, the other thing is people are criticizing Lemos for that performance against uh, Leslie Smith. And to me, it's like, dude, she was two weight classes above where she should be. So obviously she was carrying some extra weight, some extra fat. Obviously she gassed out quicker. But in order to address that, I mean, for you to cut down to two weight classes below, that means you have to focus on your cardio and your conditioning. And to take it a step further, she has been in New Mexico elevation. So like, if you put her, uh, her Leslie Smith fight and her Miranda Granger fight on two separate windows, two separate screens, and you look at her, you won't even recognize her. It's two completely different people. So I feel like she's going to perform a lot better here. It's just that the experience of Inoue has to count for something, and she pushes a pace that is really serious. She's durable. So I do actually agree with you. I do think that, uh, you know, Mizuki can come out here and kind of, out hustle these like last two rounds but i think it's going to be close and i think if people got in on lamos like plus 150 i think that's a solid bet but since so much action is coming on her now i feel like the value is kind of on in but it's a close fight i'll take in for a close decision now next up in the welterweight division we got a matchup between daniel rodriguez he's 12 and 1 and dwight grant is 10 and 2 currently they got daniel rodriguez minus 210 the comeback on Dwight Grant is plus 175. Well, Shaq, uh, it's an interesting fight because it's like with Dwight Grant, I thought he was going to lose to Jared. You know, I like the plus 160 on Jared. I thought he was going to come out here and outwork him. And then the other guy that replaced Jared, uh, Callan Bourne, I was actually going to bet Grant. I was going to actually bet the under uh, two and a half or the under one and a half. I thought Grant was going to sleep that guy, knock him into the 10th row. But now with Daniel Rodriguez, it's kind of similar to the Jared fight in the sense that if Grant doesn't land that knockout blow, he might actually get out volumed in this spot, Shaq. Yeah, Rodriguez, he kind of surprised everyone against Means in his debut, and then he fought the, the, the late notice replacement his last fight. And uh, he's got very underrated boxing, solid boxing. He's a lefty. Grant's uh, kind of low volume, but just explosive power, like leaping in type of shots. And Grant's a, a specialist of that, man. He was losing the Petter Sali fight the first round and, you know, was able to get the, the vicious KO. But we know what happened in that auto fight. Me and you both know that he won that fight. It's just, you know, in Milwaukee, you can't just, you know, have these big spurts where you're not throwing anything. And he has that you know, pretty much every single fight until he throws, you know. So, uh, you know, Dwight Grant, man, he's a kind of specialist, a power-punching specialist. I, I definitely think, man, as long as Rodriguez doesn't get caught with one of those vicious haymakers, but we got to forget, man, uh, we can't forget Dwight Grant's coming off a major uh, shoulder surgery that he got in the Juban fight. He is kind of more on the older side, even though he doesn't have that many fights. Um, and he's been out for since uh, Holloway and Dustin fought. So, you know, this is a, a big, quite quite the layoff for Dwight Grant. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how he, how he looks in this fight. Uh, but I think Rodriguez is tough enough to, to stay upright if he gets clipped. 
Um, I think he's going to throw, definitely throw more punches, land more punches. I think he could press, press grand. It's just a matter of not letting those haymakers land. So I'm going to go at Rodriguez for the decision win, but man, maybe he's a little hesitant to throw because, you know, he knows what's coming back. It's just that grand has these big, even the Japan fight. I mean, we bet on him in that fight, but I mean, that was, you know, kind of a shift. Fight. I know he hurt his shoulder, but it's the same, you know, the, you know, the deal with grand, unless he uh, knocks somebody the fuck out, it's going to be close, you know? But, man, the thing with Grant is when he knocks people out, when he gets you, he gets you. He lays people out. He's, he launches them into the 10th yeah. row, man. I mean, Car- Carlo Carlo Petersali got so fucked up that he, he was thinking it was an early stoppage and shit. He was like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was still trying to fight the ref. But, you know, uh, it's funny because I hear people saying that Dwight Grant got lucky that he won the decision against Alan Juban. And the way I view it is Alan Juban's lucky he didn't get launched into the fifth row. Yeah, that, that's what I think. That's the only lucky part about that fight because I scored a two to one for Dwight Grant. But look, I think Dwight Grant's kind of underrated, man. Obviously, he hits like a truck. He's deceptively long for the weight class. Uh, I don't think his takedown defense is that bad. I like his sprawl. He spent a lot of years at AKA working on his wrestling, even though it's American Kickboxing Academy, but it's really AWA, American Wrestling Academy. I don't know why they're called Kickboxing Academy. It should be Wrestling Academy, but you get the point. But I'm glad to see him back. We're going to have to see how he performs off this uh, shoulder surgery. And I feel like Daniel Rodriguez is also really underrated. You know, I feel like people kind of stereotype Daniel Rodriguez a little bit, you know, because he's got the shaved head. He's got the the neck tattoos. So people think he's just this Mexican brawler, but he's actually like a really good volume guy, man. He's got some serious output. He's got power, too. He's well-rounded. Like in that Tim Means fight, like, I know Tim Means officially got finished, but up until the finish, like Tim Means usually lights guys up until he gets clipped in the fights he loses. Like I thought Daniel Rodriguez was pretty damn competitive in the boxing exchanges with with a guy like Tim Means. So I, I am impressed with Daniel Rodriguez, and I do think this is a spot where Dwight Grant's going to have to knock him out to win, man. I don't see Dwight Grant, you know, landing enough uh, volume to to win on the scorecards unless he's able to kind of do nothing and then get a knockdown in the round, steal it that way, right? But I see D-Rod coming out here and kind of outworking uh, Dwight Grant. And uh, we'll see what happens after that. But, yeah, I'm really excited about this matchup. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got uh, a mismatch <laughs> because Maria Agapova is 9-1, and one, and she's taking on Shayna Dobson, who's 3-4. and four. <laughs> And real quick, for those uh, saying they feel bad for Shayna Dobson, I don't because at least she gets to make one more UFC paycheck. You know what I mean? Like you're a three and four fighter. You have no business in the big show and you get to get paid one more time with that UFC check. So I'm excited for Shayna Dobson. Uh, After this, she'll go back to the regional scene, hopefully get some wins, make her way back. But listen, right now they got Maria Agapova minus 1300. The comeback on Shayna Dobson is plus 925. I mean, look, we know Agapova is going to win. But is it going to be another first round destruction? Is there a chance Shayna can last the full three? Like, like, what do you think, man? Bro, Shayna Dobson shouldn't be in the UFC. Look at her last two fights, 30-24. You know, 24, that means every round was 10-8 against uh, Mazo. And then uh, Priscilla Cachoeira absolutely uh, put her in the ground down there in Australia, man. So, you know, her confidence is low, and she's not a we, – we, we know this. We know uh, some mutual friends of hers, and, you know, they, they all say the same thing, man. She, 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 she's in a spot where she kind of doesn't belong. So, you know, uh, 
Maria Agapova, man, I'm actually impressed, man. She's long, lefty, kind of got the the Euro Yoana vibe. And you know, I mean, you know, she uh, comes out there, she throws heat. You know, her fight with Cortez, she lost, but you know, that first round, she was definitely having a lot of success. You know, Cortez is a serious wrestler, though. Cortez, you know, grew up with Henry Cejudo her whole life, so you know, she was uh, she got kind of wrestle fucked uh, those last two rounds, and you know, her fight with Hannah Cyphers absolutely ran through her really fast. So I see the same thing happening here, man. I see Agapova marching Shayna Dobson down and putting her in the ground. So you know, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Agapova to to possibly get a, a, her second 50 G. She's got a she's got a nice little story. I heard she was flat broke and now she got you know 150 uh, K check from. From finishing uh, Hannah Cyphers, I see her getting another one by finish. So, you know, uh, let's go, Agapova. I think the hardest thing to handicap about this fight is like, is it going to be a head kick? Is it going to be a body shot? Is it going to be a rear naked choke? Like, Maria, like, do you want to come out here and just finish her in the first round? Do you want to get a little more octagon experience? Maybe mix in your wrestling, maybe try some new things out. Do you feel like spinning here? You want to try out your new flying knees? Like, Go out there and do whatever you got to do. Like, try some new things. Have fun out there. You know what I mean? Because uh, this is the easiest fight you'll ever have in your entire career. Because after you finish this girl, then we're going to start looking at these, you know, top 20, top 15. And then we're going to see what she's really about. But uh, here, go out there. Have fun. Style on her. I got Maria Agapova via Vicious Finish. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Mike Rodriguez. He's 10 and 4. And Marcin Prachniow is 13 and four currently they got mike rodriguez minus 230 the comeback on marcin prachnow is plus 190 uh shack listen man this is interesting because i feel like mike rodriguez man he's got all the physical tools he's got all the talent in the world i mean he's six foot four he's got the 81 inch reach like you've seen him knock people the fuck out with beautiful uh with beautiful hands you've seen the flying knees but it's like everything has to be going perfect in this guy's uh life for in his personal life for him to perform at the highest level do you think that even if shit's going wrong that uh he can't come out here and style on a guy like Prachnio or you think Prachnio's back is up against the wall to a point where he might come out here and get the upset yeah I like this fight man because both these guys there's a chance both we got jobs on the line because Rodriguez was this big hype prospect Drops the one to Devin Clark, but he bounces back. But the last two men have been like, well, what's going on, Mike? You know, uh, I see why they call him slow. You know, you can see he's a thinker, man. He's uh, he's uh, he's like one of those. He's like, you know who he reminds me of? Uh, Kennedy. You know, he's, uh, oh, yeah, you know, dude. he's so big. He's so big. He's so tall, but he just like doesn't have that mean streak in him. He, you know, they want him to use it, but he just he's he's a nice guy. man. He doesn't. uh you know, some of these guys, these big athletic freaks, man, they don't have that mean streak in them, man. And, you know, I think he's one of them because, look, he's way better athletically, physically than than Clark and John uh, John Allen. And and uh, even his last fight, he got steamrolled. I mean, Dylan Jung's pretty is no slouch. But, you know, the John Allen fight in particular, I know John Allen uh, tested positive, but, uh, you know, uh, but. You know, he, he's hurting John Allen on the feet. But the second it became a dog fight, man, he completely broke. And it was it was very alarming, man. He was giving up these easy takedowns, you know, just looking completely lost. Even when he was on top in the top position, you know, John Allen's out here elbowing this dude at will. And, you know, Mike Rodriguez is, I feel like, you know, he probably shouldn't have gotten that uh, contract on contender series because the guy he knocked out, I believe, was knocked out like, 
three of his last four fights prior to that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I feel like this guy was put in a spot that he wasn't ready for. He's a sink or swim now. Luckily for him, he's got Marcin Prachnio, who, let's just be honest here, you know, kind of sucks. He's slow. He's stiff. He's chinny. He's too tense. He rushes everything. Uh, you know, granted, he has fought two very good guys in his uh, in his UFC career, Smiling Alvi and uh, Ankalaev. But, man, I think, like, Rodriguez's athleticism, athleticism size, speed should run through Prachnio. My only concern is if it doesn't, who's tougher? You know what I'm saying? Because I have a feeling Prachnio, even though he sucks, he might just be, he might be, he might ha actually have the toughness to want to do this. I mean, look at him. He's always got a growl on his face and shit. Like, fucking. So I think, uh, I think there's a chance Prachnio's tougher, but I just think, like, Mike. You should run through this fucking guy, bro. Hit him with the straight. Hit him with the left high kick. Hit him with the left knee. And put this guy in the ground, man. Stop thinking so much. I think this guy is a lesser than Alan and, and Daun Jung considerably. So I'm going to go with Rodriguez. I think he's the rightful favorite. I think this is a fight for him to win. It's just goodness. If this becomes a dog fight and they start wrestling and, you know, they have to start thinking in there, there is a chance... It, Mike might be one of those lost cases, you know, where you're just like, dude, like, what, what's wrong with this guy, man? So, uh, I, but I, I still think he's going to win this fight. man. Real quick, shout out to the odds makers because they actually opened Da Un Jung minus 400 against Mike Rodriguez. And everyone was acting like that line was an atrocity to the point where I think they might have flipped it. And it's like uh, odds makers are right all along because that was a minus 400 type performance for Da Un Jung. But anyways, back to this fight. So I read an interview with Mike Rodriguez because like I bet him against Adam Milstead and I thought he showed moments against Devin Clark. It's just that when the when the going got tough, you know, when he got pushed up against the fence, he had no answer. And then I bought the whole thing about how, oh, now he's got this strength and conditioning program and this and that. And that was the issue. And it's like, hey, it worked out against Milstead. And then against Alan, it was like, dude, like, what is going on? So I heard this interview with him. He said his last two fights, you know, he's the kind of guy that everything's got to be going perfect for him outside the cage for him to perform inside. And I'm glad he admitted it. At least at least we're not just saying it. He admitted it himself. And he said uh, for this one, all the distractions are gone and he's focused. So maybe now he's going to come out here and do what he should do, which is knock this guy out. Because, look, Prachnil, you know, man, uh, he doesn't seem that comfortable inside the octagon, man. He feels very tense, very awkward. He's been knocked out two fights in a row, but he's been knocked down three fights in a row. He got knocked down in his last regional fight. I think Rodriguez should starch him in the first. It's just, I agree. I don't know what happens if this becomes a dogfight. I have no idea. So hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully Rodriguez takes care of him quick. I'm going to go with Mike Rodriguez via first-round knockout because he's the much better fighter. He's the much more talented athlete. He's got all the, the physical tools you could hope for. It's just, does he have it up here? Hopefully, this Saturday night, he figures it out. We'll see what happens. I got Mike Rodriguez. Co-main event of the evening, also in the light heavyweight division. We got oh, Vince St. Preux, OSP. He's 24-14, and 14, and Alonzo Menafield is 9-1. and one. Currently, they got Alonzo Menafield minus 115, and Ovin St. Preux is plus 105. Well, Shaq, uh, I got to be honest with you, man. I was kind of let down by Alonzo Menafield's last fight. I thought that not only was he going to pass the Devin Clark test, I thought he was going <laughs> to knock his head off his shoulders, you know what I mean? But he didn't. 
But he did show some good things. You know, his takedown defense, I think, is on point. You know, he stuffed like nine out of ten takedowns. So that was a good sign. But his conditioning wasn't. And then I heard an interview with him with our good friend Adam Hunter. You know, shout out to Adam Hunter of the MMA Roasted Podcast. Always been a half the battle supporter. We love that guy. And in that interview, Alonzo Menafield basically said that leading up to the Devin Clark fight, his girlfriend was giving him shit because he was out here skipping his runs. And, you know, he was undefeated at the time. He thought he was just going to come out here because his buddy Ryan's you know, uh, you know, uh, you know what happened in his fight prior to the to the Devin Clark fight. You know, he got a fifty thousand dollar bonus. You know, when these when these dudes get fifty thousand dollars, they stop training. Man, uh, so so basically, like uh, you know, his buddy Ryan Span just you know absolutely schooled Devin Clark. So you know, they're probably going to the gym telling him like, dude, this this is easy work, easy work. You know what I mean? So he's probably skipping all his sessions. He admitted he was skipping his runs. His girlfriend was even giving him shit. So after that fight, it appears like he's been uh, putting some extra emphasis on the conditioning. So at least he's trending in the right direction. And I know he's going to be improved from the Devin Clark fight. It's just that after the Devin Clark fight, because I fully expected him to pass that test. I was really let down that he didn't pass that test. I was like, dude, you're better than this guy. I kind of wanted to step down so he could go back out there, get a nice high, that real knockout, get back on track. And he might still do that here. You know, OSB is getting up there in age. But, man, OSB is a step up from Devin Clark. OSB's fought five rounds with John Jones. OSB's been in the top ten pretty much his entire career. So you think uh, – Menafield's got enough to come out here and uh, finish uh, OSP at this point in his career. Man, this is a this is a good matchup because going into the Clark fight, I kind of reserved off uh, Menafield just because you know Mahmoud got no striking. Paul Craig kind of uh, another loose striker, um, and you know he was able to get the knockouts, but they were real quick, man. So it was kind of like, what happens if he goes three rounds? He's got that very uh, muscular, you know physique and you know when he went past three minutes he gassed out bad now that the good point the uh, go uh luckily for him there's a chance where like you said i mean he got that 50g bonus from knocking out uh paul craig unconscious and for whatever reason man i don't know what it is these guys these some of these fighters they get that bonus and then they just go you start skipping fucking runs now like what do you like <laughs> like you start skipping workouts and shit but I guess he, uh, like you said, him and Span were probably joking around, like, bro, this this dude sucks, you know what I'm saying? Like, and uh, that's what happened, man. So, yeah, I think OSP hasn't evolved. I feel like he's the same fighter he was, you know, four or five years ago. Certain guys, when he gets them on the mat, he'll be able to overwhelm. He still fights with his hands down, chin up. But, you know, he's still very savvy. And like you said, you would kind of want Zoe to take a, a step down, but instead... They kind of give him an even higher ranked guy. And I'm not as down on Zoe as I was because in that fight, man, he looked real slow and stiff. But like we said, the guy was skipping workouts. But I still think that even if he's at his best, he's still going to be a guy that somewhat slows down. But I actually think Zoe's got some good qualities. Like he has the initiative to stuff the takedowns. He has the initiative to like not hang in there on the fence. Like he was the one that was pressing Clark on the fence. It was just he was so tired that like Clark was just working him with the body shots, uh, you know, against the fence. So I actually think Zoe can clinch. I think he can wrestle. I think uh it's just a matter of, like, he needs to be in the right place mentally. He can't, you know, underestimate his opponents. And OSP, man, it's interesting because I, I, I do think OSP is, you know, more experienced. And I, I will even say I think he's the better overall fighter. It's just that, you know, when you're – how old is he now, 35, 6? 
you know, he's getting up there in age and it's like, you know, there's really not any improvement. I know he had that win over McCall, but at the same time, McCall's at 85 or McCall dropped him like two or three times. Like, you know, he's still getting dropped in a lot of these fights. Uh, I, I actually thought he, I actually thought he dealt with Big Ben fairly well, you know, for a short notice heavyweight fight. But man, I'm actually gonna go with Alonzo, man. I think he's gonna come in a little hungrier this time. I think uh, he's probably a little embarrassed of how how that last fight went, a little hungrier. But at the same time, I kind of feel like oh, Vince should be the favorite just based on accomplishments, based on the fact that like Alonzo really hasn't done. Sh- I mean, the the Paul Craig is a is a legit win, I, I will say. But you know, other than that, it's like you know we kind of haven't seen him push it hard for three rounds. You know, in comparison to a guy like OSP. So um, I'm going to pick Alonzo for the win just because I think OSP hasn't evolved. And I think that he can push OSP uh, backwards and land the harder shots, get off to a good lead in the first round. And maybe OSP, another guy who has a tendency to slow down in his fights, maybe he starts to, you know, to, to wilt and look a little old in there. But uh, it's not too confident, man. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with Alonzo for, the, for a late knockout win. Man, this is a really tough fight for me to call. I feel like I can make a case for either guy, and I feel like this is a spot where you take the underdog. If if Zoe's the underdog, I can make the case that, hey, he's on the up and up. He learned from his mistakes from the Clark fight. You know, OSP has been kind of progressively on the decline. He can't take the same shot he used to. That's the argument I'd make for Alonzo. And then for oh Vince, I'd I'd use the experience argument. You know, the the one time we saw Alonzo out the first round, besides that regional fight, I mean, he lost the subsequent rounds to, let's be honest, a weak opponent in the 205-pound division. I know a lot of people have more respect for Clark than I do. I'm not talking about as a person. I'm talking about as like a top 15 guy. I've never been that high on Devin Clark. I feel like if you're going to be a top 15 guy, you go out there and you beat Devin Clark and you knock him out, especially when you have the kind of power that Alonzo Menafield has. So even though it was admirable that he stuffed most of the takedowns and made it the three-round distance, that wasn't good enough for me, man. I wanted a vicious knockout of... uh, of Devin Clark. And I think he can get that knockout here. It's just, man, I, I'm not sure what happens if he doesn't like, even in that Paul Craig fight, like I know he officially got the knockout, but I felt like up until the knockout, not much was really happening from his end. I felt like Paul Craig was going out there actually lighting Alonzo up with kicks. And then Paul Craig got carried away. He throws a spin and Alonzo capitalized. So, you know, I think OSP is too experienced. I mean, both of us. Both of his knockouts came off of uh, the dude spinning. Yeah, I feel like Ovince is a little bit too experienced for that kind of thing. I feel like he's going to kind of feel it out a little bit. And uh, I know Alonzo's actually got really underrated grappling and good takedown defense, but I think somewhere along the way, Ovins can level change, can get that double leg. And the Von Flute choke, it used to be a case where these guys attack guillotine and then they get Von Flute as a result. But Ovins is so crafty with that shit that you don't even have to attack guillotine. He'll fucking put your arm in position and uh, fucking uh, uh, Von Flute you anyways. So I could see that happening. But again, I'll make a case for either guy if they're the underdog because this is a coin flip fight to me. But since Ovince is the underdog, Vegas actually opened him the favorite. I'll side with Vegas, and I'll say that Ovince should slightly be favored. But I do think Alonzo is a very talented guy, and I think he's got a bright future. And I think win, lose, or draw, he's going to move up the rankings, no doubt. I, I like the kid, but uh, I'm going to go with Ovince uh, on this one to, to give him a, a minor setback. Main event of the evening in the Bantamweight division, we got Pedro Pedrinho Munoz. He's 18-4. and four. And Frankie, the answer, Edgar, is 23-8. and eight. Currently, they got Pedro Munoz minus 270. The comeback on Frankie Edgar is plus 248. Well, Shaq, we've arrived at the main event. 
And I mean, look, there's a third weight class that Frankie Edgar's competed in. So let's let's just get down to business on the chin talk. So there's two ways to look at it. Number one, he can't take the same shot that he used to take. That's the one opinion. The second opinion is that for him to drop to 35s, that's going to force him to work on his conditioning even more. And you already know conditioning is directly correlated to recoverability. So maybe he recovers faster now that he's uh you know running extra miles and shit. Do you think that that's the case, or do you think, hey, bro, you're almost 40? Cut, cut. It's almost over. <laughs> My bad. Uh, yeah, man, this is a case of not even that, man. It's just, oh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and make my pick uh, fairly fast here. I'm going to go with Pedro Munoz by first round stoppage. Um, and then, you know, we, you know, me and you were both on a uh, zombie zombie uh, during Frankie's last fight. And I think we both uh, predicted that Ortega would finish him too on the, uh, on the uh, short notice replacement. And that's because Frankie Edgars has the same game in 2020 that he had back in 2010. I mean, it's the same pitter patter, you know, point, point uh, fighting type of style. Um, and he just, it's nothing different. I mean, when you prepare back then, when, you know, in 2010, when you prepare for Frankie Edgar, you know, that style was uh, not too many guys were using that style. You know, the, the main style out there was the, uh, you know, that grinding wrestler type of style, you know what I'm saying? And the now boxer uh, wrestler. Frank, yeah, you know, the boxer wrestling type of style. And, you know, Frankie Edgar just that's he's using that same style to fight these guys. And when's the last time Frankie Edgar looked good, man? We're talking about Yair Rodriguez, man. You know how long ago that was like. And, and, and you know, I don't and I hate to discredit wins from people because he, he fucked Yair up and, and he taught Yair a, a very, very valuable lesson that night. But. I mean, me and you both know what was going on uh, behind. I mean, my boy Yair dumped uh, Coach Izzy off and all this other shit, and he didn't want to pay these guys, and he uh, decided to go in there with some some fucking ragabunch team and he got his ass with man. So, you know, uh, I think that Frankie Edgar hasn't improved in a very, very long time. Even his win over Cub Swanson, like, that fight was two old men fighting, and Cub didn't really want to fight Cub. Cubs on the tail end himself and you Cubs know uh, every takedown. Yeah, you know, Cub Cub Swanson didn't want to fight, man. <laughs> like there's no other there's no other way to put it. And his fight with Max Holloway, man, I'll go ahead and say that was a waste of time. Like there was honestly no point of doing it. Like Holloway was coming off the Poirier fight. He didn't really he was still kind of nervous about his chin, I'm assuming. And it was like Frankie didn't challenge him in any like that fight was 25 minutes of a, it was like a sparring contest where Max was just slapping him around, man. It was like, you know, what a waste of 25 minutes, you know, we could have put uh, somebody else in there, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, yeah, Frankie hasn't approved him. Pedro, on the other hand, man, yeah, you know, Pedro eats some shots. Pedro, you know, will take a, a a good lick here here and there. But, man, has he ever been knocked out? No, man, the guy keeps moving forward every single time. You got it, man, this guy, even the Aljo fight, like, he lost. But, man, props to Aljo for maintaining his composure because, bro, some of them teeps to the gut, man. Where you, I could feel him through the screen. I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, <laughs> like other dudes, man. He, I mean, he has had other dudes folded up. Like, when he hit Brett Johns with those teeps, Brett, Johns went immediately down and was like covering his face, you know, asking for the ref to please save it. Yeah, Caraway, like those dudes, when they got hit with that teeth to the gut, they were like, dude, please get me the fuck out of here. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I see Frankie Edgar coming out there doing his typical thing. Me, I'm sure he looked in really good shape at Wayne's, but. 
the skills, the, the, the that pitter-patter basic style that he has. You know, it's not like he's going to come out here and calf kick someone. I see the calf kick for Pedro playing a major, major weapon, man. Pedro's been getting a lot better at that calf kick. His pressure game, he gets these guys to, to get out of character and open up against him. And then, you know, he rocks them. And you know what happens when he uh, gets your neck, man. It's, it's, it's pretty much game over. So I'm going to go with Pedro Munoz to come out here, put the pressure on Frank, on Frank and get him out of here fairly fast. Something similar to zombie, maybe a little longer. Zombie was like, what, a minute, a uh, minute and some change. But, you know, I feel like Pedro Munoz is just, he, bro, Frankie, to win this fight, man, he will have to pull off the weasel job of the century, man. Like, eh, I just don't see, like, how, like, Pedro would have to look like, just completely off to lose this fight, in my opinion. And I see Pedro Munoz pretty much doing whatever he wants, man. So I'm going to go with Pedro Munoz by first-round stoppage. I love Frankie Edgar, but, man, he hasn't improved. He hasn't evolved. And this is just father time catching up with him. I know he's looking for answers, dropping this weight class. But if he – honestly, man, if he was going to do this, he should have done this, uh, you know, a long a long time ago, you know. Uh, but, hey, man, it is what it is. So I'm going to go with uh, Pedro Munoz by first-round stoppage. Yeah, and look, shout out to Frankie Edgar. You know, back in the day, that fight against Tyson Griffin, one of the best fights I've ever seen in my life. And at the time, I was like, man, one of these two is going to be a future world champion. And it turned out to be uh, Frankie Edgar when he dethroned BJ Penn. I mean, this ain't the BJ Penn that loses every fight. This was uh, back then the, the top three pound for pound fighters were GSP, Anderson Silva, and BJ Penn. So he dethroned that BJ Penn. And to be a five foot six guy winning a belt and defending it at 155 pounds is truly remarkable. It's something you never see in today's uh, UFC lightweight division. Could you imagine a five foot six guy even contending for a belt in today's uh, UFC lightweight division? He just comes from a different era, man. And, and that's okay. You know, the sport evolves and we love Frankie. He's got a place in the Hall of Fame. There, there's no doubt about it. But like now, like not only is he dropping the Bantamweight, but he's dropping there against a serious killer. And I feel like the fact that he's dropping, people say this is natural weight class, but I feel like now he's giving away a lot of his advantages. You know, what was so cool about him being the small guy at 55 and 45 was that like, you know, he had a bit of a speed advantage over some of these guys. Now that speed advantage is completely gone because at Bantamweight, they fight at such a fast pace that there's no breaks at, at Bantamweight. You know what I mean? And when you talk about a world-class guillotine, you talk about Pedro Munoz. When you talk about nasty calf kicks, you talk about Pedro Munoz. One punch knockout power, Pedro Munoz and uh, stabbing front kicks. Pedro Munoz. So I feel like this is going to be a rude uh, welcome to the Bantamweight division for the great Frankie Edgar. And I see Pedro Munoz coming out here and stopping him. Look, I know that the one criticism we've had for Pedro Munoz is sometimes he eats too many clean ones. It's just that he can take it and he can give it. Whereas Frankie used to be able to take it. I mean, Frankie used to be a guy. You hit him with an aluminum bat. He's still walking forward. But you know, you take enough of those shots and you know your durability is going to wane and it totally has. And he's not the same that he used to be. He's almost 40 years old. Got to give him a lot of credit for his great career. Consistently fought the, the toughest competition he could find. So I love the guy, but we don't pick with our hearts. We pick with our brains. I got Pedro Munoz to not just defeat the great Frankie Edgar, but to finish Frankie Edgar. And uh, yeah, man, I think he's going to, you know, move up and get another big fight. So I'm very excited for this one. I got Pedro Munoz inside the distance. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So in your opinion, what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas 7? My fight to watch is... uh.
my my fight to watch is Hubbard versus my bad. My fight to watch is gonna be Hubbard versus Selecki, man. Now I know uh, they might not be known for you know their uh, you know the most uh, vicious type of finishes, but man, Hubbard, he, you know he did make a made a kid uh, quit a, a college wrestler who was the favorite. You know, hey, the kid was favorite over Hubbard, so we we can't take that away from Austin. And he was a he was a decent sized favorite too. I think Hubbard was like plus one seventy five against that against the quitter. What what you Rodkoff. call him? Frodkov, uh, Roshka, <laughs> but uh, Quitkov. But uh, you know, I think uh, I think uh, in Selecki, man, I want to see how he does because a lot of people were are criticizing his uh, fight with Wyman in that third round, saying a, a better guy, you know, could crack him. And I know guys that know Selecki. You know, we know guys that know Selecki that you know they think the same thing. So, and I and I think better is Selecki, man. I'm, I, I think the winner of this fight can can uh, get a, a decent fight next. You know, uh, against someone good, and and that's my fight to watch, man. I want to see if Hubbard can you know maintain that momentum off uh, beating Quickkov, and I want to uh, see if uh, Selecki can you know possibly get a first finish, man. Yeah, that's definitely one of the fights to watch. For me, my fight to watch has got to be Daniel Rodriguez versus Dwight Grant. I mean, the fight just got booked today. Two very exciting welterweights. Uh, you know, obviously Dwight Grant known for his devastating knockout power. Daniel Rodriguez going out there with the serious output, the volume, and he's got finishing ability too. I feel like this is going to be a very exciting fight where these two are going to figure it out in the center of the octagon. Uh and it's going to be very entertaining. So, I'm going to go with Daniel Rodriguez versus Dwight Grant as my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Vegas 7? My fighter to watch is going to be... My fighter to watch is going to be... Man, it's a tough one. I'll say uh, Mike Rodriguez, man, because, you know, I feel like his job could possibly be on the line. And for a guy that, you know, had such a, a lot of hype coming in off the contender series, this would be, you know, somewhat of a, you know, a big letdown if he were to, to lose this man. And, you know, he says he's got his personal uh, issues in order and he's got the perfect opponent to, to get, you know, one of his vicious highlight real type of finishes. Um, and we know he's got the talent, man. So he's my guy to watch, man. I, I feel like it would be a big letdown if he took an L to, uh, to Martin. And Martin's a tough guy as well. So we'll see what happens. So my fighter to watch is Alonzo Menafield. Look, uh, he's coming off a very, you know, embarrassing loss to Devin Clark. Not embarrassing because he got stopped or anything, but embarrassing because it's like, he knows deep down he was supposed to go out there and starch that guy and move up on the rankings. You know what I mean? And also the way Devin Clark fights, it's like, you know, I know with him and the homeboys, they're giving him shit for losing to that guy. I know, I know that's a fact, bro. <laughs> so, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, Span and Jeff are making fun of him and shit. <laughs> yeah, straight, straight up. <laughs> no bullshit. But if he can come out here and get a win over O Vince, that'll kind of erase the Devin Clark fight. And it'll almost be like, you know, hey, it was just first L time. I wasn't taking it seriously. But look what happens when I do take it seriously. I come out here and starch OSP. So he's my fighter to watch because this is a big fight for him. He wins this. All of a sudden, he might be in the top 15. And all of a sudden, he might get another big fight next. So Alonzo Menafield is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down tomorrow. UFC Vegas 7, Pedro Munoz versus Frankie Edgar. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. They can get our plays at bestfightpicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify. 
all the places where we are available. We truly appreciate all your support. We'll be back next week for Alexander Rockich versus Anthony Smith. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.